Jessie Aredia, and you're listening to Soul Care for the New Mom, a podcast designed with new moms in mind. I'm so excited to introduce to you today Christy Straub. Christy is a mom of two and a marriage and family coach alongside her husband, Josh, and together they strive to coach families on what it means to live, love, and lead well. In our conversation, Christy and I dive into some of the difficult challenges that moms encounter in this early season of motherhood, and we talk about the importance of rediscovering yourself after kids, and even how counseling and coaching can be a valuable tool when it comes to this. We also chat about the new children's book that she co-authored with her husband called What Am I Feeling? And my favorite part of our conversation was when it took this deep and powerful turn as we examined the importance of emotional awareness and stability within our homes and how it begins with us as parents, even how moms can begin to heal from past wounds and be an example of grace and strength for their families. I love this conversation with Christy so much and I know you will too, so without further ado, here is my chat with Christy. Hey Christy, thank you so much for being on Soul Care for the New Mom today. Jesse, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Yes, and I'm I'm especially excited to hear from you and the perspective and wisdom that you have to offer because I've been following your podcast with your husband Josh in this together, the Aww. in this together podcast. And I just always pick up on how much wisdom and tools you have to offer moms who are in this season and even just, you know, families in general. Um, So I'm especially excited to get to talk to you today. Well, thank you. I appreciate that so much. Yeah, our our podcast literally is called In This Together because that is really how we feel and what it is. We're really in this together. Like this is not... Because, you know, beginning that season of motherhood was the most isolating, lonely, difficult season. And so, I mean, what you're doing is just so beautiful and I'm so grateful because I wish I'd had it when I was in it. I really, really do. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Well, I would love for you to tell listeners more about you and your family and what this season of life looks like for you guys right now. Yeah. my So my husband, Josh, and I, uh, we live in, in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, our kids are six and four now. So our son, Landon, is six and he's in kindergarten. And our daughter, Kennedy, is four and she is just me. I'm raising myself again in (laughs) a little cuter blonde form. Um, And yeah, and we are, we're adjusting to actually, like we call it, we're kind of like moving out of the trenches and Mm -hmm. into a season of, um, it kind of feels like margin and breathing. And I know um, I'm so, I'm just so grateful, honestly, to be at this place because I know where you are right now, Jesse, <laughs> with two really little ones. And I've we've walked that journey and those were I, I those were the most challenging years I've ever faced. Um and we've ever faced. And honestly, a lot of our ministry has now been birthed from that place of struggle and pain and yeah. um difficulty. And so I'm I'm, we're a little bit grateful that we're on, you know, the other side because <laughs> I'm starting to feel human again. Um, but um, yeah, it's uh, so I am so grateful for this season. We just got a little puppy, a little golden doodle. Oh my god! And you know, but like to feel like we can add to the family and like we're okay. We can okay. We can do this. We can handle a puppy that has more energy than all the kids combined. So we're, we're in a good season right now. Yes, I love that. And and what you said about how the ministry that you guys are doing was kind of birthed out of that hard season. Mm-hmm. I yeah. I find that to be so true for the things that I'm doing as well where if it weren't for how difficult and how heavy-hearted yeah. this season can be, yeah. I don't know that I would have pursued a creative ministry like this because I think I would just, you know, I would just be going through life just thinking about myself and about my family. And instead, I'm forced to realize just how much of a 
challenge it is and how much we need to be you're right in this together like this is this is something that we all walk through and it's it's so so challenging and I love that you guys have reached that next stage where it's kind of like that spacious place and (laughs) I'm looking forward to it (laughs) I know and and like not to be I mean obviously there's challenges in every season and stage and it just changes and um but the change I mean, there's a saying that says a change is as good as a rest. And I think it's true. It is something Mm -hmm. about just the changing of seasons or chapters in a book where it's just, it provides rest in places where there was none before. And so, yeah, yeah, I love that. That is beautiful. Well, okay. So I know that you guys, you also do coaching um, Mm -hmm. for families. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we, yeah, we are. So my husband, Josh and I were counselors by trade and education, but we have moved um, and loved that world, the world of counseling. And I actually want to, well, I want to talk about some of my journey there mm-hmm. at some point as well, but um, we've moved into coaching and because it's more, basically the difference if um, is counseling is more, um, reverse focus. So we're looking into the past, into our wounds, into, you know, relationship patterns and histories and coaching is more forward focused. So it's dealing with what we have today and how we're setting goals and, and how we're strategizing to move forward. And so we found so many families are in that place where there actually isn't even a ton of margin to be able to go back and really do deep soul work. Um, and so they're looking for strategies and help. Like we just need to get our family. We want purpose. We want to live on purpose. Mm -hmm. We want to do things that matter. We want to raise great kids who love God and, um, lead others. We want to, we want to do something with our lives. We don't want to just have culture force us into this mode of, you know, soccer practice on Saturday mornings. And (laughs) I mean, it's just living on autopilot really. And so, yeah, so coaching has been probably one of the most life-giving things that we do. I mean, Josh was just last night with a group. Um, we did, um, it's like a marriage coaching and we do usually group counseling or group coaching together. And it is just, it's powerful because no, not one of us is facing like this, just, you know, something that's totally unique to us. Everyone who is walking this journey of of parenthood and of marriage, we're all looking at each other like, yeah, oh my gosh, you guys fight about that too? Oh, and that's the way it goes down in your house? Like, oh my word, like oh me, us too. And so when we literally do this together, it's incredible the healing that comes because you're, re- you're recognizing you're not alone. Truly, 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 you are not alone. And what you're facing is not unique to you. It's actually a fairly universal human condition. And there's hope. And so we've loved it um, because we do the podcast and, and we write and speak and stuff, you know, that typically hits on a larger group of people, but you don't get to go as deep because you don't get to be like face to face, you know, for very long. And so I think that's why we've loved the coaching so much because we really get to dive into people's lives and, and do life alongside them. And to watch families transform. And I don't mean that like that. I know I feel like people toss that stuff around like, Oh, but like (laughs) truly like they're appalled. We're amazed. Like they're different people. And from when they began and their families are on an entirely different course and it's possible and it's nothing special to us or, or unique about us. It's just God. Like it's literally what God can do when he transforms hearts and lives. Yes. Oh, I just, I think that is so beautiful. And it's just, it's a ministry that it's very much needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love, I love what you said about the difference between counseling and coaching or, you know, one of the differences and it's that yeah. counseling is a little bit more of diving back into how you became the person you are. And then coaching is, I guess, more of like who you want to be or where you want to go from here. And I just, yeah. I, I think that there is such a need. I mean, there's a need for both. For sure. But but I definitely love this coaching mindset of, okay, let's push you in the right direction. Let's take those baby steps forward now. Um, I love that. Um, And you did say you did say that you wanted to talk a little bit more about um, counseling for a minute. Mm. Um, I would love to hear more of that. 
Oh, I would, this is something, no, granted, obviously we come from the world of counseling. So I've always recognized the value of it and the importance of it. We've always been in, and you know, we did pre-engagement counseling. We did premarital counseling. We've yeah. done marriage counseling. <laughs> We're headed to a, you know, a marriage intensive this summer. We get to do that work with people. Um, but I have never, I'd never really taken the time to do work on me, just me, just mm-hmm. Christy, just Christy, the, the woman, the you know, who really is just a still a little girl inside, but in a bigger body, having to take care of other little humans. And um, <laughs> I did this uh, just a few months ago. I went on a one week intensive and I did some deep um, soul care counseling work um, just in me. And it has, I, I, and I know we'll talk about what am I feeling, our kids' book that is coming out. Um, and really, the heart of that book is is coming back to who we are as people but connecting mm. like truly i think as moms as frayed and exhausted and we don't i mean one day just kind of melds into the other we we don't we we almost don't know who we are anymore um separate from the role of mom or separate mm. from the role of wife and so i i don't want to i don't want to bypass the the counseling aspect because that is something that I will advocate to my last breath <laughs> to be able to take time to connect with yourself. And I know that sounds sort of vague and airy-fairy. It's not. It's it's literally, there's like a little child in all of us who's who's still there. And so often, I think, in the season of motherhood where it's just constantly caring for another's needs, we we bypass our own. We ignore them. And 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 honestly, out of survival, we sometimes just have to. Um, but if you can take just I don't know, 10 minutes a day and do something to connect with you again, to find you again in the midst of it, um, to feel again, I think so much, and especially in our culture, we are so numb. We have learned to numb emotion instead of actually feel it. Mm. And that's where I found myself in that early season of motherhood. I was just trying to survive. I was literally so exhausted. I was, we had two super colic, I had two really hard pregnancies and then two really colicky babies. I was known as the woman with the baby with the worst cry they'd ever heard. (laughs) Um, And our kids just, they screamed more than they slept. And, uh, you know, we kind of used to joke about that. And then I realized actually that was trauma. (laughs) It was, it was actually really traumatic. And I had hit a place in life where I literally called it the bottom rung of life, where I remember my husband putting his hands on my shoulders at one point, our daughter was probably six months old. And I think our son was two. Um, and I just, I wasn't doing well. I was anxious all the time. I was, I would cry at the, you know, if something dropped on the floor, it was like, I was just, I've never been at a place like that where I was so broken and so lost. And I remember Josh looked me in the eyes and he just said, Christy, I just want my wife back. Mm -hmm. And I knew I knew I I was gone. I, I I didn't know who I'd become, and I wanted to come back, but I didn't even know how. And I just, but that was probably the place where I recognized the most. I have neglected me, in in again, literally for survival to just get through the days with you know up every forty five minutes through the night with this screaming baby and, um. And I had lost myself. And I remember just, it was just crying out to the Lord, like how, just to reach up, to have the courage and the energy and the will to just reach up to that very next rung, whatever that is, to pull my, start to pull myself out of the pit. Because I could have stayed there. I was just, I probably wouldn't have told you at the time, but I look back now and I think it was probably low grade depression and, mm-hmm. um, but things that I don't think we feel permission to talk about in the midst of like, it is such blessing. It is such goodness. It is such beauty. It's raising small humans who are just intricate and, and fascinating and mesmerizing. And it's such an honor. And I took it, 
I took that so um, seriously that it felt inappropriate or um, almost offensive to say anything otherwise, to say like, I'm not okay. I'm struggling. I am, I need help. And I don't even know what that means. Like, I don't even know what kind of help it means. It doesn't mean like I need a nanny, although I really would have taken one at the time. <laughs> Couldn't we I all? Need, yeah. I need like, how do I get out of this, this place, even in my own head? Because the exhaustion, I mean, I couldn't change, but how do I take that next step up? And it really came from doing this. It started by taking care of me, like the, the, the little girl inside who was, who was just trying to keep her head above water, but also, are you still in there? I mean, do you, where's passion and joy and curiosity and adventure and, and my interests? I mean, I, I just, that had all gone. Um, and so it was starting to tiptoe back into those waters again. Um, and that's really where my journey of healing began. What did that, what did that look like for you finding that person inside of you again? What were some of the steps that you started to take? Yeah, I would say, um, finally being honest. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. and so opening up to friends and for sure my husband about, I, I just kept it all bottled inside. Um, and I'm not typically that, that way. I'm actually a oversharer by nature, (laughs) but this, there was such (laughs) shame associated with me that motherhood didn't feel natural, that it didn't feel like this, um, just knee jerk, you know, just this, the ease at which you just, you nurse and you raise kids and you get food on the table and you, none of that felt easy. It felt clunky and hard. And I've, I just, sometimes I would feel like, am I really a mom? I remember writing an article about that the first time I went to my son's preschool Mother's Day tea in my minivan driving there thinking, how, like, how am I a mother? How did we get Mm. to this place? Wasn't I just in college, like (laughs) going on coffee dates with girlfriends? Like, how am I driving a minivan to my son's Mother's Day tea? How am I in this place? And that's when I recognized how much of of me that I'd lost because mm-hmm. I'd never taken really the time to sort of really process this giant change in role and in life. And so I started journaling. Um, I started talking. Um, my husband and I started this thing. We It's become fairly um, – it's caught on, I think, because it's it's practical, but it's so helpful. And we called it How 15 Minutes Changed Our Marriage. And, um, we started just 15 minutes a day at the end of the day when we had kids, you know, either in bed or, you know, contained in some form, (laughs) um, we would just talk, but it wasn't talking about the details of the day, which I find we so often get to, we start just talking about, it's like we're teammates, which we do refer to ourselves as teammates, but it becomes very practical, very tactical, very surface level. Like, how is this? This was, you know, this is this, this, we're doing this, we're doing this tomorrow. And instead we just started to dive a little bit deeper. And again, as counselors, we should know these things, but it's, it's a lot harder to do in practice than in theory. Uh, But we just started using feeling words. And so this is literally saying like, I felt sad today when I was grieved when mm. I was anxious when I, and this isn't just for, you know, me, the, the mother, the overly emotional mother that I think we sometimes get sort of stereotyped <laughs> as men have just as many feelings. They're just so often true. not able to talk about them or they've, it's not even, they're not able, they've just never been taught. And that's where even this kid's book is literally beginning this from preschool years because if 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 as adults if we have the ability to feel the whole range of emotion not just the positive ones but the negative ones as well that's what really emotional health is to be able to feel the whole range of emotion and we can go out into the world aware of what we feel able to talk about what we feel this is when true 
EQ, which emotional quotient, which they're finding is, is more impactful for a successful life, well-rounded person, the kind of kids we want to raise. This is really, this is what we need to survive and to thrive in life. And it's what our kids need. And so for our, our, even for our husbands, and this gets, I know men can, can get a little leery of like, oh, feeling words, like this feels really, it's not that hard. And once they start to get into it, it's just become sort of the natural flow of conversation because they felt anxious at work. They felt fearful. They felt, they felt joyful. They felt hopeful. They felt encouraged. There's a lot of feelings that we feel throughout a day. We just don't often recognize them. And so when we don't, they come out sideways. They'll come out in ways that we didn't intend. They'll come out in rage or depression or anxiety. It'll come out in numbing any type of self-medicating, which isn't just you know, drugs and alcohol and it's Netflix and scrolling through Instagram mm-hmm. for hours on end. It's, it's shopping, it's overworking. It's all the things we do to just try to calm and, and shut up the feelings that we, we are so afraid to feel. Um, and so when my husband and I finally just sat down with each other and started talking and I started sharing, like, I feel hidden. I feel unseen. I feel dismissed. I feel rejected. I feel, and again, it's not out of an accusation at him. It's just, this is just how I feel. And then he would in turn share about his day. I felt rejected at work today. I felt I'm super hopeful about, you know, a project I have going on. Do you see how it gets to like the underlying, like, how are you really doing? It's, it's like, I, you connect with that little boy and the little girl inside that are just wanting to be loved yes. and seen again. Yes, I love that. And I'm wondering over time, what did you see this do in regards to your marriage? How did mm-hmm. it strengthen it over time or change it? It was the most impactful thing to find each other again. Um, mm-hmm. I felt like, Oh, Josh, I see you again. I see what I see you doing on the outside, which so often we can either look like, you know, we've got it all together. We can look like we're losing it. (laughs) We can look like we're (laughs) stressed to the max. We can look like we're, we're sad. We can look like we're happy. And some of that is just all pretend. And it's not, and, and that's not an accusation. We're just doing whatever we can to just to get through the day. And some of us were taught that, you know, happy is the, is the emotion we are to have to be liked. I mean, mm. inadvertently, our, our, our parents may have given us that impression that we want you to be happy. And as parents, obviously, yes, we do. We want our kids to be happy. But if they get, are given the message, I want you to be happy because that makes me happy, then what happens as a child or as us, as adult children, um, when we feel something that's incongruent with that, when we feel sad, when we feel grieved, when we feel angry, are we allowed to show that? And if we're not, then it starts this stuffing process or this covering up of any ways we can, masks and pretending. And and we do a really good job at that. We actually get really, really effective at it to the point where Often even in marriage, the person we see and know and are closest to, we sometimes miss them. We meaning like we're missing what's actually who they truly are because we've started to believe the the mask or the facade. Maybe his overworking at work and you think, you know, he's just so stressed. He's got so much on his plate. Like I'll just, I'm just gonna hunker down. I'm just I've got I've got the kids, I've got the house, like this is, you know. I'll just let him, you know, he's, he's just providing for our family. He's working so hard. I'll just, you know, I'll just give him some space. And the little boy in him could literally be crying out, see me. Do you see me? Am I doing a good enough job? Am I providing for you? Do you feel safe? Do you feel taken care of? Am I loving you well enough? Do, am I a good enough father? Am I failing at all of it? And if we miss what's really going on, I mean, you just see how this divide happens in marriage. We, we don't know each other anymore. We know the outside versions that we put out, but to take those just few minutes a day 
and just be vulnerable and willing enough to and brave enough to show the insides of us, which again, just start with like emotion words. It's just a feeling. It's all the whole range of emotion. And, you know, even in our kids book, what am I feeling? We have a pull out feelings chart that is, that is exactly what it's used for to teach children emotions. Because if they don't learn you know, we, we have to teach them what the color blue is. This is blue. If they don't learn what angry looks like or feels like in their body, it it's overwhelming. It's scary. If, if a child, um, some of us were raised in homes where anger is not okay. It was not an okay emotion to have. Now, separating it from, you know, the disrespect and when we're actually acting out of anger and, you know, hurting someone or something, that's different. That's misbehavior. But the actual emotion of anger, it's just as a wonderful an emotion as happiness. But we we label it as a negative emotion and we tend to either dismiss it or punish it or try to shut it down in our kids. And it's probably because of the kind of home we were raised in. If, if we lived in a home that was filled with anger or anger was not allowed, it's we're going to react to that even more in our kids or our spouse. When we start to see that in them, we could, that can trigger all kinds of things in us. And so for us to create a home and to raise kids who are able to recognize an emotion and, and, and then see it in another person and recognize, you know, when they start to go to school and they see it in other kids, oh, that's what sadness looks like. I see sadness and to recognize it has nothing to do with them Um, or it could, they could have been the one that created the sadness, but it's the whole beginning of empathy. It's what we need for maintaining any type of relationship in life, especially in marriage. And so if we can start to walk this journey just together in marriage, but then also start to cultivate this in our kids, I mean, it just filters through the fabric of families and Really, it's setting all of us up on a, just a really healthy path to, to finally sort of know ourselves, but also to be able to fully know and love the people that in our home that we know and love the most. Yes, yes. And I, I feel like in a way, and I know you've touched on this, but in a way, all of us are kind of trying to escape the things from mm. our childhood that we don't want to repeat, yeah. you know. And as you're talking about, you know, how, you know, we need to teach that anger is an okay emotion to have and that there are ways to express it and ways to identify it and, you know, and learn how to cope with it. It yeah. reminds me of how, you know, through my childhood, I was the over emotional child and I didn't feel oh, like that was allowed, you that know, and so I, I, oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I, I don't know. Are, are you, uh, do you know your Enneagram number? Uh, so yes, I think I'm a four. I am too. Oh, that makes so much sense. <laughs> yes, I, I am too. I mean, we got into the Enneagram years ago. I remember like mm-hmm. maybe like the first season of our podcast, we had, um, Ian Cron who wrote the road back to you. Yeah. Um, on and I was like, I'm a one, I'm a one. And he's like, Really? Really are you? <laughs> and I was like, Yes, I'm a one. And um Because no one wants to be a four. <laughs> I except that it's like making me cut it make it's making my whole life make sense. But yes, I, I looked does. like a one. I actually really acted like a one, but it wasn't until I started to do to reconnect with me again, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like and yeah. realize oh, I'm actually a four who just shut down <laughs> but yes. to survive. And so, yes, yes. I'm a four. <laughs> yes, I, I, I know exactly what you mean. And I am a four as well. And, and so, you know, growing up, I'm thinking, I think I feel too much. I'm dealing with too much and no one understands me. And I told myself when I become a mom, I'm going to make sure that my kids always feel like they're allowed to feel. And then a few months ago, you know, my, my oldest is two, Tessa, Mm -hmm. and she had, you know, she had thrown a fit because she didn't get her way and she was upset and crying. And I sent her to go sit down in her little timeout place in our living room. And I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, we're going to go sit in timeout. And I, I, 
I had snapped and I had said something along the lines of, we don't cry when we're upset. We don't cry when we don't get our way. And, you know, I let her sit for a minute and then I come back to go, you know, talk to her about it. Cause I'm thinking, okay, this is, this is good parenting. Like I'm going to talk to her about it. And I come back and I say, you know, do you know why you're in timeout? And she said to me, no crying. And it broke mm-hmm. my heart in a million pieces because I realized that, yeah. you know, m- maybe I didn't do everything wrong, but, but one thing that she was picking up from my behavior and from the things I was saying is that I'm not allowed to cry and I'm not allowed to be sad or to be mad. And it just, and and that's why I think that your new book, What Am I Feeling? It's, it's a book that's so important for children, but also for us as parents, because yeah. we still haven't fully grasped what to do with all these emotions. And especially for those of us who feel more than we know what to do with. And, yeah. and, um, and I just, I think this is such a beautiful book and um, I know it's coming out in March. Um, so for those who are listening, go ahead and pick it up and I'm going to put a link in the show notes. So this, this will be a book that will change the way that you view discipline and change the way that you view communication. And I know that it already has me thinking through, you know, how how do I build healthier emotional-based communication, even just, you know, with myself and then with my kids and then with, okay. you know, my husband. And it's just so good. And I, you know, what what are you hoping that people take away most from this book? Yeah, I and thank you for saying that, Jesse, because people need to hear what you just said. The honesty mm-hmm. of I and, and and just to just for people to take a breath for a second, because I know this can get actually people can get really triggered feeling like, oh, gosh, I can't go back there. I can't deal with this. I can't. This feels too big. I, you know, it's it's not as big or as hard as it feels sometimes. It's just because it might be triggering a really sensitive place in you, a wounded place Mm -hmm. in you. Like for you, if you were told or felt, it it never means that you necessarily were told this. It was just what you perceived from it, Mm -hmm. but that you feel too much. You're too much. You have too much emotion. You, you will, out of reaction, want to shut that down in your kids. That makes absolute sense. Same thing if, if you were told, if you grew up in a home where maybe depression was present, you will likely feel very triggered by sadness. So when you see sadness or depression in your children or, or something that looks like that, that will trigger you. That will, I mean, would that not, I mean, it makes sense. We, we get super fearful of, of repeating the patterns, the things that we didn't like about our childhood or messages that we received. It just makes yeah. sense. It's okay. It's just being aware of it. And that's really that this book, if it can do two things, if it can create self-awareness and that is not just for kids, we wrote this to kids because parents read books to kids. Yeah. Parents don't often have time to read a parenting book. Technically, this is, I think, this is a message to us as parents. We are mostly working with parents. I love children. I am so passionate about the next generation. I care so much about the parents that are trying to raise them right now because I know that those kids will ultimately grow up to be like their parents. So if we can create a generation of parents who are set free, who are aware of their emotions, you're not going to fix them all. You're not going to do it all right, but you're just aware. You're aware of where there's a little bit of pain, a little bit of wounding, a little bit of my tendency. My tendency is anger. When I see my kids out of control, I get angry. I mean, mm-hmm. I I wish I could control it. I can sometimes control my behavior. I can sometimes control like not lashing out at them, but I do. Like I will yell. I I do get angry, but I, I can't stop that feeling of anger that comes up over me because mm-hmm. I feel out of control. As it because they are out of control. I feel like I have no control. They're probably going to go to jail. They're, you know, we, <laughs> we, this is how our minds work as parents. Yeah, I mean, We literally, it's like, they're never going to make friends. Their teachers yes. are going to hate them. They're going to fail. They're going to go to jail. I mean, or they're anxious. I grew up, I, I struggle with anxiety. My daughter's going to be, I, I, mm-hmm. I think she's going to struggle with anxiety that she seems anxious. What do I do? I overprotect a helicopter. I, and then we start to 
you know, this all comes out sideways. But if this book can teach you awareness and our kids' awareness of what an emotion is to be able to label it. I mean, my husband used to work with, he started practicing in a maximum security juvenile detention center. So these were with teenage boys who have raped, killed, um, committed terrible crimes. He always started with a feelings chart with every boy. We do this with adults because there are those who have had their emotions come out sideways and that could look like, you know, it could turn drastic into crime. Mm-hmm. It could turn drastic into, um, in, you know, really heavy addiction or just the normal kind, which all of us are involved in in some capacity. Um mm-hmm. But they have never learned how to recognize and label their emotion. So if we can learn to do this with our preschool kids and then, you know, we, we add in things that we missed in childhood and we learned that as well. And then we, then we can learn self-management, which is the managing of emotions and temper tantrums and, you know, where all this comes out. But if we can just teach our kids that emotional health, what we really want for them, what we really want for ourselves is to feel the full range of emotion. So that's all the negative emotions, the ones that we would typically label negative, right? Sadness, anger, frustration, jealousy, greed. Like these are what we would call negative all the way up to the positive emotions, but that it's okay. And it's actually really, really healthy to feel all of the whole range of emotion. Mm-hmm. But and my favorite line in the book is a feeling is just a feeling. It's not in charge of you. Yeah. And that's where the management starts to come in because you and I, Jesse, as ones who f- we feel, we do a really good job at feeling all the emotions. We might not always recognize <laughs> what we're feeling, but we feel them all throughout a day. But then to be able to get to a, a place of that is, that is what I feel. I feel sadness. I feel anger. And yet it's just a feeling and it doesn't get to be in charge of me. It doesn't get mm-hmm. to rule my life. It doesn't get to change the way I act. Um, in the book, Sam, the main character, he's, he's figuring, he's, he's feeling a feeling early on that he can't name. And again, as a kid, you don't know what emotion is. All you do, you just feel like the visceral response in your body, right? So we, one time, my son was, he was terrified to go to school and he was going through a season of deep anxiety and fear of going to school. Um, and I, I remember one morning just asking him, buddy, what, what does it feel like? And he said, mom, I feel flippy in my tummy. And I was like, that's it. That's it. That's fear. That's what fear feels like to a child in their body. And so we use all of the feelings, like what an emotion feels feels like in your body to start to connect. When I feel this, oh, that's sadness. Oh, that's anger. I mean, truly, most of us as adults have never really put that together because we so quickly jump to, I need chocolate. I need a glass of wine. I need, I, it's just something to shut down the feeling. Um, but if we can teach our kids this little, that to feel is okay but that it can, it comes and goes and we can look at a feeling and we can feel it and then we can turn and we can make a choice to walk away. Um, that is setting our kids up for a life of, I mean, the, the research in this is what's so incredible. Um, it's setting our kids up for so much success and just fullness of life. And that's what I'm most hopeful for. Uh, for all of us. Yes. And I, I love that so much. Now I'm imagining that there are moms listening who are, who are listening to this and they're thinking, but I can't, I can't change. Like I can't Mm -hmm. be that person. They feel stuck. Like Mm -hmm. they've always been this way. They've always maybe lashed out in anger or they've always curled up in depression and sorrow and they don't feel like there is any way to cope or to manage or to even set a good example for their kids? What mm-hmm. what kind of encouragement or how do you believe God can even work through this um, oh. 
what what kind yeah. of encouragement do you have to offer moms like that yeah um i see you i felt like you <laughs> i hear you you are not alone and you're not crazy <laughs> Um, you are in, you're in a place right now. And I think the Lord has you in that place for a reason. Um, but there is so much hope and help. I think that is the one message that we don't hear because we're so often isolated within our, the four walls of our home. If you're a stay at home mom, if you're a working mom, you're so you're, you have no time. There's the chaos of life fills your every moment. Um, if I can just encourage you to find a safe person. I think for some people, the thought of counseling or the thought of reaching out for outside help is just, it's either they think, oh, maybe it's not that bad. Like, I think I'm, I think I'm okay. Like it's, it only comes and goes. It's not that bad. Um, the, the actual, the desire to reach out isn't strong enough just yet. And, Mm -hmm. and that's okay too. I think there is so much work that God can do with us in those waiting places and in those desert seasons. Um, But I would just highly encourage you to find one safe person to be your authentic self with, meaning to share in the words that you just used, Jesse, like there is sometimes sorrow that overwhelms me. Um, On a real practical side, uh, what, what you're basically doing with what am I feeling and creating conversations of you know, just the freedom for children to be able to express, I mean, just for emotion to be talked about as, as, as openly and honestly in your home, as, as we talk about, you know, practical life stuff, if it becomes part of the fabric of your home and you can do what we call, it's called emotional safety. And it's basically we're not dismissing emotion. We're not rejecting their emotions. We're not punishing their emotions. You know, when they come to us and they're angry, when they come to us and they're sad, if we can just look them in the eye, eye to eye and be with them in their emotion, uh, we'll deal with the misbehavior later because when they're in, we're in, when they're in that emotional reaction, just like we all get, I mean, you cannot, they cannot hear it's called fight or flight. And when they're in that, they liter- their brains cannot absorb what they've done wrong or correction. That, co- that can come later. But if you can just be with them in their emotion two out of five times, which is just 40% of the time. And I think that's when everyone can take a collective deep breath because you will, you will, you will yell. You will mess up. You will punish their emotion. You will tell them to stop crying. And sometimes just like that just needs to happen. Sometimes like it's just right now, I need you to stop crying because mm-hmm. sometimes as parents, we are so worked up ourselves. It's just, it, it's not helpful for us either. And we need that separation. But if we can just do it right, two out of five times, research shows across the board, we're still going to get the outcomes we're looking for in our kids. Kids who can get, get married, if you find a partner, get married, stay married and enjoy their marriage. Kids that will pick a career and enjoy it and love it. Kids who can empathize and relate to others who succeed, who come through under pressure. That's where a lot of men love this actual topic of emotional safety as feelings oriented as it is. Um, Because, I mean, my husband speaks to sports, Joint Operations Command, whatever, all the top fighters in the in the U.S. military <laughs> on emotional safety. Clearly, I don't go. It's like all their, I don't know. It's they like manly. take their cell phones and it's all like, you know, real shut down um, secret. But because they recognize the importance of coming through under pressure, professional athletes are finally tapping into this. It's it's so imperative for our kids to, because they're not standing, you know, at, for, you know, dads who wants their kids to play baseball, they're not standing at the plate worried about what mom and dad are going to think. Am I going to mess this up? What are they going to say? It's, they're so clear in their minds because their minds are calmed down. And uh, it's just something we get to do. It's the peace of God. Like when it talks about, you know, Paul, I think was the first neuroscientist and he said, the peace of God, finally brothers, you know, think on these things and the peace of God will calm your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's literally what we get to do for our children. We get to be that peace that calms their minds down. And then for yes. but for the moms who are in that place where they don't feel that calm for themselves, that is where I say 
there is so much hope for you and there's so much growth for you. Mm. Um, but you don't need to stay stuck in that place, release that place. You, you're, you don't belong there. You won't always stay there, but you do need to just whatever that next step is to reach out for help. If it's a counselor, if it's a coach, if it's a friend, if it's spiritual direction, if it's literally waking up 20 minutes early, just 20 minutes early and just sitting with the Lord in silence, do that. Find him there and I guarantee he'll meet you. Yes. And I, I want to touch on what you said, where you said two out of five times. And as soon mm-hmm. as you said that, it just felt like there was so much grace in mm-hmm. that phrase. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that as parents, we feel this pressure of, I have to do everything just right. I have to discipline correctly 100% of the time. I have yeah. to always say the right things. I have to never lash out. I have to be on top of everything and and we crumble under the pressure and that's when we lose ourselves you know like what we talked yeah. about earlier of just not even knowing who we are because we're trying to be everything for everybody else and I just love that two out that's of five it. times that's all it takes it doesn't have I to know. be perfect you don't even have to do it 50% of the time I you know. can do it less than half and it still brings a good outcome I love an that. incredible outcome. So yes. And, and, and if this just makes it feel even better, which it does for sure to me, those other three out of the five times with the times we do mess up, when we say things we regret, when we lash out in anger, when we, whatever it is, however it comes out sideways, the research actually says that that is called that, that right there, these are the moments where we can perform what they call the ultimate of relationships. And the Bible calls it forgiveness. Mm. The research calls it repair. The Bible tells us to practice it a lot. And it's literally our ability to get onto our kids' level and apologize specifically for our, the offense. To, and, and in that, we say, I am, I am so sorry, sweetheart. I, I got angry with you. And I, let, I said something to you. And I am so sorry I said that. You did not deserve that. I said that out of anger. I, it got, it took control of me. And I'm sorry for that. Will you forgive me? And, and those three out of five times when we do mess up, they actually say this repairs a relationship even more than if you tried to be perfect and, you know, walking on eggshells and trying to, to get this right five out of five times. Because not only does it bond the relationship with the child and the parent, to see a parent apologize to a child, it shows the child that you're not perfect, that you don't expect them to be. And it also models for them what to do when they make a mistake. So they know how to seek forgiveness and to, and to really start instilling humility and character in them. Yes. Oh my goodness. I, this is just, I just, I'm just so floored by how beautiful and just grace filled all of this information and these tools are. And I I so appreciate you, you just walking us through this because I think that this is an area that a lot of us could use encouragement and wisdom in. Well, thank you. I mean, I was there and I still, I mean, I still walk in those places and I think we all need it. We all need that grace. And, And can I just say too, to the mom who right now is numbing her emotion with Netflix and Instagram or even if it's alcohol or sugar or whatever way you're getting through right now, I just want you to hear grace. I want you Mm. to hear that it's okay because those things that we turn to, to, to numb, to calm and soothe the pain, to numb our emotion, they are helping us survive. And there Mm. will come a place where our self-medicators will look at and will realize you're not serving me the way you used to. But we do need to recognize that they allowed us to survive. And even mm. in that, it's okay. But when you get to the place where you're recognizing it's actually doing more harm, you're not serving me the way you used to, then we can start to look for another way. Then we can start to look for another way to deal with our emotion. But if you're in a place right now where you're just not ready to do that because it feels too big, that's okay too. But it, it will end. And you will come alive again. Mm, 
I love that. And and for the mom who's listening who who feels like she is ready to take those next steps and to to maybe even begin to be coached in how she can adopt better habits and um mm-hmm. and create a healthier home. What what kind of resources can you offer that mom? Yeah, we um I love that you're where you are because that's a really exciting, I think, place to be because there's so much, so much will change so quickly. But we have a pod, our podcast is called In This Together, where we wrestle with this, these topics constantly, day in and day out. Um, we also do offer coaching programs. So if you just go to drjoshandchristy.com. Um, you can find us there and, um, we do marriage coaching. We do like right now we're doing a family purpose group. So families who are desiring to live on purpose, but they don't quite know what that means. They don't know what it looks like for their family. Um, we're working through that together and it is super powerful and super fun. Um, we also have a kid's Bible study, um, coming out in April called Homegrown cultivating your kids in the fruit of the spirit. And that is actually, I called it a kid's Bible study. It's actually for families. And so it's the first that we know of that it's actually for families to go through together. So it's not just mom and dad do their Bible study. And like we read this little Devo to our kids, but it's actually stuff that we do as a whole family, um, with activities for the family and, um, to instill the fruit of the spirit into our kids and into us. Because mm. if we can get that goodness into us and it's around a whole botanical theme and uh, it's just, that's when life starts to change real fast. And God is so faithful and so good to take all of the broken pieces and all of the, the sticky hard stuff of life. And he makes it beautiful. And there's, yeah, he can do it. Yes, he can. Well, thank you so much for just being so open and offering so much wisdom and encouragement for us in this time. And um, and for just reminding us of, you know, that there's that little part of us inside of us that, you know, is waiting to be uncovered. And I think, I think a lot of us need to be reminded of that from time to time. Yeah, we do. We all need that. Yes. Well, thank you again. And I'm definitely going to be putting links to all of those resources in the show notes so that our listeners can take a look and check them out. Thank you so much, Christy. Thanks, Jesse. Appreciate it. Hey, friends, if you haven't already, it would mean so much to me if you'd leave a review for this podcast on iTunes or in your Apple podcast app. Getting more reviews and ratings helps Soul Care for the New Mom get more exposure, which means more moms listening and more moms being filled with gospel truths and encouragement for their motherhood journey. I definitely want to see Soul Care continue to grow, and you can help with that with your review. Plus, I love hearing your feedback and getting an idea of what this podcast has meant to you. So when you get a chance, please be sure to do that. That would truly bless me today.